Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Well, it wasn't the way Bills fans wanted the week to start, getting bad news on Von Miller after so much optimism, out for the season with a torn ACL, ACL damage that had to be repaired. We're going to talk all about it here Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, it's always game day in Buffalo. I'm Sal. He's Matt. We were going to do this right when we heard the news. Um, logistically, we just couldn't because that's how big of news this is, Matt. And it's obviously mm-hmm. not good news for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no, it's not. It kind of caught us all by surprise. I was not anticipating walking into the facility on Wednesday and then finding out at 12.05 that Von Miller was done for the season, regardless of you know this procedure or anything. We didn't even really know that was happening. We just knew that there was going to be a further evaluation. We knew that he was on IR, but that there was still a lot of hope from the last thing we had heard that he was going to be back for the end of the season and potentially for the playoffs. And now we know that's obviously not the case. It's a massive blow for the Bills. I don't think this ends their hopes for a Super Bowl or anything like that, but it definitely makes it harder, but it was ever going to be easy. So that's kind of the mindset that I've tried to take with all of this since the injury happened. Like, yeah, it stinks. Von Miller was brought here to help and he really did make a difference on the field and off the field. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to have to do it without him, but you've been pretty close without him in the past. Now you just got to hope that, you know, your quarterback loses his mind and plays unbelievable. Like we saw last, year and that maybe you make a couple more timely stops. Does that have to happen? Does Josh Allen have to play out of his mind for this team to win the Super Bowl? I don't think it does. I think that they have a good enough defense to still play with Kansas City, still play with Cincinnati. Um, I think where it matters here is those critical maybe moments where you wish you had Vaughn for a third and six in the fourth quarter. But I, I think that they don't have to go out there and score 40 points to win, right? I mean, they 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 still have a very, very good defense. And I think that showed up, obviously not a great offense showed up in new England against the Patriots. We've seen this team for five years under Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier still play terrific defense without having an elite pass rusher. This is a little bit of a different conversation. Do you trust the defense or do you trust the offense more? Um, I still trust the defense more. I think at this point, considering what I've seen from the offense, but I trust Josh Allen, right? I trust that they'll always, yeah. have, they'll always have an ability to do things with Josh Allen. I, Look, last year, they didn't have Von Miller. They, we know what happened with 13 seconds left. Mm-hmm. He's brought in as the closer. I, they were still 13 seconds away from hosting the AFC Championship game. They also didn't have Tredavious White. They do now, right? He's mm-hmm. back for, from that. Um, this they is, did have Micah Hyde. They did have Micah Hyde. Yeah. There's always these things that, you know, guys come in, guys come out that you can always look at and say, like, you definitely need this guy. Look, I'm not going to sit here and paint the 
picture of everything's colorful and roses, Matt. I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. We all know. But I will tell you, agreed with you, everything they still want is in front of them. And I always say that the way I look at it is the betting line never changed. I know it sounds funny to people, but like that's the because the Bills are still a really good team. Like they were the Super Bowl favorites before this was announced. They're still the Super Bowl favorites as we record this because as great as Von Miller is, he doesn't change the fact that this team is still considered the best team in the NFL by people who make those determinations. Yeah, and I think that their defense is still solid. I going back to the question that I asked you, I still trust the offense, even though they've had their struggles. And I don't think that Ken Dorsey has maybe been as smooth of a transition as we thought it might be, I don't know, thirteen or fourteen weeks ago. That's beside the point. As for the Von Miller stuff, yeah, obviously it is like a really big loss for the Bills. I think it's something that they can get through. I think it's something that you find yourself in this position. You got five weeks left. You control your own destiny. If you control your own destiny and you play really, really well for this next month and a half, and you get into the playoffs with a bye week, or you know, you get into the playoffs even with a favorable matchup in the first round, like, okay, it, it was never I, I don't want to keep harping on the same thing. Even with Von Miller, it was going to be a really, really tough battle to try and get to the Super Bowl. That's what it always is. Like, I don't know what it's like to cover a team that has made it to the Super Bowl. I know what it's like to cover teams that come just short of making it to the Super Bowl. So they're going to miss him. And I do think that it's promising that he's going to be around the facility and he's going to be able to be there and coach him up and help. And he's just got a different energy about him. It is funny though, Sal, I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding this list every single year, but the NFL top 100 list comes out and you always are going, okay, this person's too high. This person's too low. Why is Josh Allen here? Why is Stefan Dix here? Well, the bills had five players on the top 100 list, two of them, Micah Hyde and Von Miller, out with, well, for Von Miller, season-ending surgery for Micah Hyde. We thought it was going to be season-ending. Probably still will be season-ending. We don't know for sure, though, if there's a chance he could come back. I mean, we see him out there warming up with the teammates that are getting ready to make their return. So who knows? I think that's a long shot, but it is. I asked this question yesterday, Sal. I want to get your take on it. Is this just what it's like for every NFL team, or is this – Cause we have not experienced any injuries like this yeah. with the bills in the lat, at least in the Sean McDermott era, there have been untimely injuries. There have been bad injuries, but is this what it's like for every team or is it especially bad now compared to it's, it's interesting. I don't know it, how it feels. It, they have lived and we have a unique life over the last few years being so what do you want to call it? Lucky, fortunate, good at maintaining and not having injuries. Right. And I think we'd all agree. You and I agree on this. I think, although I will get pushback from some fans sometimes when I talk about how great the medical facility is, the training facility and helping in this regard, some fans just say, Oh no, no, it's just luck. I don't think it's luck at all. I think that it's not, you can't prevent what happened to Micah Hyde. You can't prevent a guy tearing an ACL on the field. What you can do is help with soft tissue injuries and muscles and maintaining and doing all of that. They've been great in that regard. This year, it's kind of caught up with them in the fact that having those other freak injuries has really kind of, you know, caught up with them, like I said, and put people out. I would say this is what it's like for most NFL teams, but A, most NFL teams don't have the talent the Bills do, so when you lose guys, it's going to be a really good player, and B, it's probably also more than what you get from the average team this year, right? And that's why it's made it, you Bills went from nothing almost for three years to all of this. And that's a huge swing, which is why it feels like that. Um, let's, let's rewind and reset here for a second. 
I want to explain to everybody what happened with Von Miller. You were there with Brandon Bean yesterday. I was there. Mm-hmm. As you go back a week, Matt, Brandon Bean had the statement through the pool report that said, we're hopeful he's going to come back. We're putting him on IR just for four weeks, and we're going to give him time to recover. Mm-hmm. He explained to us, yeah, that was always the hope. They knew. He said he knew there was always a chance something would be found during surgery. He goes in to have surgery on the meniscus. They find ACL damage. Matt, I don't think the Bills did anything nefarious here. I don't think they were trying to pull one over on anybody. And I also don't think that they were ignorant to anything. I think that they were hopeful, and they always knew. As great as medical and science is these days, there's always a chance it could be more when you get in there and look. Yeah, so I think the initial, so it happens on Thanksgiving and probably within a half an hour of the injury happening, there's a couple of reports out there from NFL Network and from ESPN that are basically just saying like, listen, it's bad, but the Bills believe, excuse me, they avoided the absolute worst case scenario. So that I think gave everybody a little bit of optimism and it was like, okay, so that what that tells me is that the initial tests that are done, because those tests happen basically right when that player gets off the field, yep. that those initial tests came back and there wasn't clarity. And usually with a torn ACL, you have clarity. That's something that you can figure out, you know, within an hour basically of doing the test and being like, okay, so it felt like, okay, there's not a lot of clarity. That's a good sign because usually with a torn ACL, you know, right away, then it progresses a little bit. You get a couple days into it and Vaughn probably feels pretty good because you can walk on an ACL. You can, you know, like live your life as a normal everyday human, not as an NFL player with a torn ACL. So he's probably feeling good. The swelling's probably going down. He's probably telling the team, yeah, I feel good. Like, let's see what the rest of these tests show. Then what my guess is they started to find out a little bit more and they were like, okay, we're not rushing this at all. We're just going to throw you on IR. We just want to make sure that you're back for the playoffs. If that's even feasible, you go down to Dallas and do the surgery. That's where the surgery happened. And we'll see what it says. And basically what happened was he went down there for the surgery. And then after doing some further evaluations, they're like, yeah, dude, like this is torn. You, you can't play football on this. We need to fix this. And, and it's important to note they fixed it right there. Like, I mean, they did yeah. the surgery. Like he, he, he doesn't need another surgery. It wasn't like, Hey, we found this. Let's reschedule you now. Come back in. He had the re- the repair to the ACL done in the surgery on Tuesday in Texas. Um, so the timeline's already started, right? And yes. Bills are unfortunately very familiar with this timeline because it happened on Thanksgiving, like Tredavious white, Brandon Bean then said they do hope for a, um, you know, hopeful. They, they, they expect him to be ready for most of, as he put it, 2023. I will point out eight years ago, 2013, when Von Miller yeah. tore his ACL, he was back the next year and he tore it in December that year. And he was back the next year when the season started. So maybe that that might be ambitious this time. The bills will take their time. They do have a long-term investment in this player. Obviously he's going to be out for the rest of the year. He also will be back in Buffalo, Matt. He Mm -hmm. will be a part of the team. Like Micah Hyde is helping out. He will also be in Buffalo in the off season rehabbing. This is a situation that in the here and now matters most in 2022. We know that, but it is also something that matters beyond 2022, because this is a player they signed to a six year contract for six uh, for $20 million a year that they hope can help them win championships beyond the season. 
Yeah, absolutely. A couple of the other points that I want to make. So first off, when talking about Trey White, when talking about Von Miller, Von Miller is an older player. So you would take maybe I think common sense would say, okay, maybe it's going to take a little bit longer for him to recover. But keep in mind, corners are a different breed because everything they do is so reactionary and they're backpedaling. So with an ACL injury, there's a lot of different movements that they're doing compared to other players on a football field that make that recovery. I feel like a little bit more drawn out. So for Von Miller, this is going to be a big process. I'm not saying like, okay, this guy's going to be ready for training camp or anything like that. But I would imagine that his recovery time is a little bit faster than Trey White's just based off of solely the positions that they play. And then as far as him being here, I think it adds, of course, I'm not diminishing him not being on the football field, but I think it's a bigger deal than maybe people give it credit for, because I think the mentality and the mindset and the way that he just carries himself really does make a difference with some of those younger guys. And I mean, it's easy to do that when he's on on the field, but from going back to the summer, I remember like they screwed up a rep. They were running lengths of the field and all of a sudden it was Von Miller doing it. And then it was Greg Rousseau doing it. And then it was AJ Epinesa doing it. And that was not something that we saw or just at the end of a rep, when the second team defense would go on, they would run and they would do a lap. And it's just like these little things that he kind of instilled in them. And it's, Now you're going to be trying to do it for that person. Like that room is so close. Now you go and you see Greg Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, Boogie Basham, Shaq Lawson. You're going to see that guy on the sideline and you're going to be like, okay, I want to make a play for my teammates, but I also want to make a play to show Vaughn that, you know, everything that he taught me, I'm listening to it's, it's human nature. So I think that these kind of injuries can do two things. I think that they can derail a team or they can bring a team closer together. And I think that after Trey got hurt last year, there were a lot of people who were in the sky is falling mode and this team, the season's done. It's over. And just like that, they found themselves in the position where they were 13 seconds away from going to the AFC championship in Buffalo. I think the very, you know, I, I still think, I think the biggest question everybody has right now is can the bills win the super bowl without Von Miller? And I absolutely think they can. So that's why I'm not, the sky is falling. This is a crisis. It sucks. But WKBW didn't call you and say, pack up your gear. The season's over after they found out that Von Miller's ACL was, you know, torn and they had to have surgery. Like you still have a job to do because this team is still where they are. And they're, they're nine and three. They're the the number one seed in the the AFC AFC right now. All right. Before we, as we end this segment, let's make big picture. All right. No Von Miller, the way Cincinnati's playing beating Kansas city, who is the bigger threat right now in the AFC and which uh, team do you think it matters most that they won't have a guy like Von Miller chasing after their quarterback? I think it's a bigger void against Kansas city just because I still think even though the Bengals have beaten them three times in a row, I still think that's the bridge the bills are trying to cross. Mm -hmm. And I think the Bengals offensive line, while much improved, I think I would still trust the other guys the bills have to maybe get home there as opposed to against Kansas city. I think the overall biggest threat in the AFC is still Kansas city, even though they just lost to Cincinnati. And I still think that if you're the bills, you will be hoping that you avoid the chiefs at all cost, or if you do have to play them, that you're going to play them in Buffalo, everybody. I know they're in first place and that's very good. The chiefs remaining schedule is a patty cake schedule. They're going to probably win all five of those games. Probably, probably. So for you to be the one seed, it was the one, it was a little bit funny. They, the bills are sitting at home on Sunday. 
the Chiefs lose, the Dolphins lose, the Jets lose. Everybody, it feels like Bills Mafia is losing their mind. It's like, let's go first place. Rightfully so. Enjoy it. Soak it in. It's just important to realize, okay, the Chiefs remaining schedule stinks. So the Bills, you got to win out. And I don't know. I think the Bills are very, very good. I don't think I would bet on them winning out these five games. This is a this is a tough little stretch to end the season for the Bills. Which means, by the way, the Cincinnati Monday night game literally could be for the number one seed, depending on how things go. Yeah, which you can watch it on Channel 7, by the way. So thank you, Sal. Um, there you go. Thanks for the plug. I think, well, let me let me... Let me preface it this way. When you're looking at the bills and you're looking at the final five games, will they be favored in every game? Yes. I just looked today at some of that actually. And they are actually at right now projected to be a half point favorite at Cincinnati. And then obviously they're favored in all the other games. Okay. So would you take four and one? I, I think so. Here's the way I look at it. I agree with you. Like the chief schedule looks really easy, but it is the NFL. And are we really saying that the bills, the Bengals, and the Chiefs are all basically going to go undefeated over this from here to the end, except for the one game the Bills and Bengals play against each other. I don't know. I think that's a lot to ask. And I'll also throw out, I know I'm crazy. I know. I I get it. I'll, I'll take I'll take it here for anybody who wants to tell me I'm I'm nuts. I'm crazy. I think the Denver Broncos can play a tight game defensively and hold the Chiefs offense down a little bit, and you never know what happens. I understand they stink on offense, but they do play them twice. They have a great defense, the Broncos do. And Here's one thing the Bills fans need to do. Root for the Raiders to keep winning. They play yeah. the Chiefs tough, and they do play at the end of the year. And if that game matters to the Raiders, that's a game they could lose. Yeah, and also, too, in going back to, I don't want to discredit Miami because I know a lot of right. people are now yeah. really low on Miami, and I'm still pretty high on them. A lot of people tweeted at me about, because on the last podcast, I said I was very confident the Dolphins would win, and I was very very confident that ah. the chiefs would win. And I made both of those bets this past weekend and lost some money. So I was confident too. And it turns out I was just wrong, but with the dolphins this weekend against the chargers, the chargers are just clawing and scratching to be alive. And they lost the other day. So mm -hmm. to me, that makes that game that much of a bigger deal. And you've got Herbert versus Tua. You've got these two quarterbacks that were taken in the same draft class. I'm just saying I think the Chargers are going to give the Dolphins all they can handle. Right now, the Dolphins oh, yeah. are favored in the, the Dolphins are favored in that game, and I think the Dolphins are going to win. But if they, if the Chargers win, that does give the Bills a lot more wiggle room when it comes to the division than they have currently. Because right now, it basically feels like if the Chargers win this weekend, or excuse me, if the Dolphins win and the Bills win this weekend, it feels like next week will be for the AFC East. And the Chargers are fighting for their playoff lives. That matters yeah. to them, obviously, oh. in this game on Sunday Night Football. Quick turnaround then for Miami. All right. We went a little bit long in the first segment talking about Vaughn. So let's turn the page a little bit and talk about one of Vaughn's friends. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Matt, the Odell Beckham watch is still ongoing as we record this. For all I know, for all we know, by the time people hear it, Odell could have picked a team. I feel like it's almost to the point of bills or no one for Odell Beckham. And it might be because a, he doesn't want to go to the giants or they don't want him. They're not in that position necessarily as much as that would be a feel good story. It just feels like that's not going to happen. I could be wrong. And B obviously Jerry Jones has some misgivings and about his health situation. I don't think that's fake. I don't think he's just floating it out there. I think that he failed his physical in Dallas or maybe didn't do well in the physical. And they said, look, if he's not going to work out, we can't trust this. Whereas Sean McDermott was on the rich Eisen show and said, yeah, but that's why you trust your, well, for him, you know, for us, the bills aren't going to care what Dallas says. They're just going to say for us, it's what we trust with our medical team and a projection. And we'd feel comfortable uh, in that situation. So I feel like this might be almost a negotiation between the bills and Odell Beckham. And if they can't come to an agreement, that's fine. If they do, he'll join the bills. I don't know if I would go that far, but I do think that the bills have become on the same level as the Cowboys were like, I think going into this week and then especially after I saw him at the Mavs game with uh, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons, I'm like, okay, he's going to the Cowboys. Like, yeah, I really liked the idea of the bills adding him, but it's not a reason to panic. Not a huge deal. Now in the last couple of days, I think that's leveled a little bit just because excuse me, of the reports coming out of Dallas and just how quiet things have been out of Buffalo. I think when the, I think when it's quiet, that usually favors the bills because things aren't getting out and they're just kind of keeping everything internal. Like Von Miller, like Von Miller. Yeah. No, I mean, Basically, that timeline was that on Monday night, Brandon told us they found out that this procedure was happening. Well, they knew the procedure was happening, but they found out that there was a very real possibility that they were going to find out kind of the worst information. And then on Tuesday, the procedure happened and they found out the worst information. And then on Wednesday morning, not even Wednesday afternoon, that's when we found out. So it was a full day of not that information not getting out of the building. That would have never happened in years past. Pre-McDermott being that would have never lasted a day in that facility. Somebody would have said something and Odell goes to Dallas. And then within a couple hours, there's reports out there from a bunch of different national reporters of, Oh yeah, there's some concerns about the injury. There's some concerns about his timeline. And if he'll even be ready to play this year, the thing that I keep coming back to with Odell Beckham, and it's just, if the bill should be interested, I don't think there's a lot of risk involved. I think the reward outweighs the risk and you're not giving up an asset to get him. So that's why I keep going to just do it. If you're, if you're in the position where he's willing to come here and I'm not saying throw a bajillion dollars at the guy, but if the contract is in the range of what you thought it was going to be, and it requires that it's a two or three year contract, I think you do it and you hope that he can contribute this year, but if he can't, okay, then he's going to be your wide receiver too for the next couple of years. And you're going to have more favorable matchups for Gabe Davis. And you're going to have a top three of Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham and Gabe Davis. And that's ridiculous. So you and I are definitely on a different page on this one. Like I, I, 
I don't think you should do this move, make this move unless you think he can help you this year in any way, shape, or form. I think if you feel that he can't come back to help you for a couple of playoff games in a Super Bowl, then you know what you say, then how can we be sure he's even going to help us next year? Um, I, I, but however, however, I also don't think that next year shouldn't matter in the regard of if you think he can help you this year, then that's a bonus. And you say, yeah, and we get him next year if we structure the contract to keep him here uh, for a couple of years. To me, if you aren't confident that he can come back and help you this year at all, I think you wait till the off, you wait till February or March and say, look, is he still a free agent? How's he look? Let's kind of reset it here. I think that's kind of rushing it. And to me, Odell, the reason you sign him now is to help you now for the playoff run for the Super Bowl run. And if Sean McDermott feels, yep, but he's not going to be ready until the divisional round, that's fine. Then do it. But if you're not going to be ready until the Super Bowl and you're not confident to me, Matt, I don't think you make this move for next year. There's too many other salary cap and personnel moves. You have to figure out between now and free agency in March. Well, I think though, if you make the move now, you might be getting a much more favorable deal than if you wait just because you are taking that risk. And I don't think you would ever be able to be in a position to afford Odell Beckham Jr. as your wide receiver too, if you waited until the off season until free agency. So I think almost at this point, it's a nice added bonus if he could potentially play sometime in the next month. And you would be getting him for a deal that's probably significantly under market value just because there are a lot of questions out there and you've already kind of laid. I'm sure at this point, they've probably laid the framework down of what a deal looks like. And if there is mutual interest, there's probably negotiations happening back and forth between, okay, this is what we're looking for. This is what we're looking for, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why to me. I think it's almost like an added bonus. I think in a perfect world, of course, you have him and he can contribute sometime soon, but it is December. They have five regular season games left. We've seen how tricky these ACL injuries are with Trey white. And now we're going to see it even more with Von Miller. So I have no idea when he's going to be able to contribute. I also, I think that of course it would be beneficial to have him in let's say the divisional round or in the wild card round. But I also don't know how much you would want to be throwing out a new wide receiver in a situation right. like that I get it. when there's not any chemistry or there's not any familiarity between the receiver and the quarterback. So that's one of the other reasons why I'm just like, well, if he can't play soon, then I guess just try and have him, and then you can have him for the next couple of years. Here's an idea I had that they could do, which we has not been much talked about. They could sign him to the practice squad with, if they, if they both agree, Hey, this is my fit. This is where I want to be. And the bill say, we want to have you in, but they know he can't play for the, for the rest of the, the regular season, for example, or close to it. You can't reuse up a roster spot, sign them to the practice squad. And with the understanding of we're going to elevate you when you're ready. So you don't take up a roster spot, or we're just going to sign you to the active roster when you're ready. And that would allow him to get in the building. That would allow him to still work out with the team. That would allow him to get chemistry and learn the playbook while them not using up a roster spot. And then it, and then it comes to that point later on. And I wouldn't worry about him then getting poached by another team, because if you do that, it's because he's picked Buffalo and you picked him and that, that's what's going to happen. But I do think that's an option they could do with him. Remember they, they Kenny stills on the practice squad a couple of years ago at the end of the year, they had Devontae Freeman on the practice squad a couple of years ago for these very reasons, basically. But 
you would need to have Odell Beckham would need to have complete faith in the bills and trust them with whatever that contract that is negotiated by them ahead of time. And I feel like that's a lot to ask for somebody who isn't even in the organization yet. I think with Kenny stills and with Devonta Freeman and with some of the other like veterans who we've seen on the practice squad, they really didn't have other options. And I know that there's not a laundry list of teams that feel like they're out there for Odell. It's probably three or four of them, but still that's a lot of trust to put into a team that you have no connection with whatsoever. It's such a, it's such a kind of a back and forth slippery slope. Either way you go on this thing. I think the, the one thing that always was out there that we didn't talk enough about was, was he going to be ready? And they're sure we, people have discussed it. We've probably discussed it here, Matt, but it was always about what his fit is with the bills. What his locker room fit is, where, where do the targets come from? Do, what does he want? What's the finances? Well, now this Jerry Jones thing, and is he going to be ready? And that's always been the, the X factor that I think has never really been talked about enough, which is, can he even play at this point? Like, what does he look like if he goes back on the field? It's, I have a friend who is selling a house and I thought of this comparison the other day because they were talking about getting offers for their house. And they were talking about how a lot of people now put in offers that don't require a home inspection. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, I was like, wow, like I can't imagine buying a house without a home inspection. Right. Like, that seems really risky. That's like it's the biggest purchase. The now. That's right. what I mean, I was like, that's like the biggest purchase you're ever going to make. And you don't even get a chance to look at the home. And then I've seen a lot of reports out there that Odell isn't working out for these teams. And then I think the same thing. Wow. I'm don't, no, if I would sign a player who isn't willing to work out and do a physical for that much money, but I almost think it's the same kind of scenario. It's like, yeah, there's, there's risk involved. Like that I do want to point out the territory. It's my understanding. He did have a physical with all three visits. He didn't so he work phys- out. He had a physical, but he did not work he did out. Not work out. That is correct. Okay. So, so and you don't know, I don't know what his physical said for the bills, right. Or the giants or the Cowboys for that matter. But it feels like Jerry Jones is saying to me, he's saying he failed his physical. You can still sign a guy if he fails your physical. If you feel that, you know, down the road, he's going to be fine. And, you know, it's fine. It's not fine now, but it will be. But what he's saying is I want to see him work out. And that was to me, Matt, him saying, yeah, he failed our physical. I need to see him work out. If he's not going to work out, I don't know if I can trust this. The other part of this is before we wrap up and get to the Jets. Is it possible? Jeremy White, my colleague on WGR Sports Radio 550, kind of floated this idea. Is it possible Jerry Jones is basically saying this because he doesn't want to have egg on his face that he lost a star free agent to the Buffalo freaking bills. Yes, I think so. I think I, right when those reports started to come out, I put out my opinion on it. And I just said, the more things come out about Odell Beckham jr, the more it feels almost like damage control of like them the- just saying like, Oh yeah. Well, we didn't really want him after we found out all that information. So if he goes somewhere else, it's not the end of the world because we, we let him be in a position to go somewhere else. And that feels very Dallas to me. Yeah. I, I think it's very possible as well. It's almost like when you're courting someone and she doesn't pick you or he doesn't pick you and you're like, yeah, I didn't want that person anyway. Right. I mean, like something like that. I mean, it, it kind of feels like that a little bit with Jerry Jones and we'll see where it goes. Let's get to the New York Jets, the Bills opponent and answer some of your questions. All right. So now we transition to the New York Jets, the Bills opponent on Sunday. It's a one o'clock home game in Orchard Park. We haven't seen one of those in a while. Bills in blue, Jets in white. Sal- for a while. <laughs> no, I know. Right. 
Are the Bills going to bounce back against a Jets team that has really exceeded expectations this year? Yeah, I think they are. I think the Bills will win this game, but I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't care that they played each other. I don't care that they're in the same division. This is like a whole new Jets team and a whole new Bills team from the last time they played. Mike White is way better than Zach Wilson. I like Mike White. He's good in a muddy pocket. He's good. He has good poise. He's accurate. He's got good receivers. He's been finding and throwing to the team believes in him. He's rallied them a little bit. But the Bills also now have Tredavious White, Matt Milano, and Jordan Poyer in the lineup. Hopefully Matt Milano, by the way. We don't know that. Knee injury that he was day-to-day while we're recording this. We'll see uh, what practice looks like. But anyway, the Bills will have a better defense. They have a better offense. I think the Bills are going to win this game. But I think you can definitely have and should have a lot of respect for the New York Jets. The way they played, they're going to have the defensive rookie of the year probably in Sauce Gardner. They have a offensive rookie of the year candidate. And Garrett Wilson might've had the offensive rookie of the year, Brees Hall anyway, if he hadn't gotten hurt and Mike white, who I think has elevated their play. Last time these two teams played bills made a bunch of mistakes. They had a bunch of players on defense missing. Now, obviously they'll have Vaughn missing this time around, but you get Trey white back who I think helps. They've got some really talented playmakers on offense with Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall is injured for the season, but he's awesome when he does come back. So you got Garrett Wilson, you got Elijah Moore, you got Corey Davis, you got some really nice wide receivers. So having Trey back will definitely help you in that sense. But the thing that I keep coming back to with the Jets, and I understand they're a much better team. The last time the Bills played against Mike White, he threw four interceptions and the Bills had five total turnovers. Every member of the starting secondary that day was involved in a turnover. And I keep remembering that moment after the game. And I think it was Jordan Poyer, Micah basically came into the press conference room and they're like, everybody else had one. So I needed to get a turnover. So that's what I think of when I think of Mike white. Now I think that they are a much more legitimate competitor now than they were at that point last year. Defensively, they've got so many playmakers, Quinn and Williams, CJ Mosley, sauce Gardner, the list goes on and on, but the bills have extra rest going into this game. They're coming off of a Thursday where the jets are coming off of a road game on a Sunday. I think that benefits the bills. Obviously it's at home. And for the Bills, you know the position that you're in right now. I do not think you're going to get caught off guard or slip up against a team like the Jets. So I think the Bills will handle business. I think the line is aggressive. I think a lot of people are writing off the Jets a little bit. I don't think that it's going to be a blowout. I think that this is going to be a similar game script to kind of what we saw against Cleveland what we saw against Detroit, maybe without the last second needing to get down the field and score. But I think the Bills are going to win, but I think it's going to be a pretty close game. Yeah, the 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 line is nine and a half. I feel like that's a little fat, isn't it? Like it feels yeah. like that the, the Jets should be able to to you know kind of hang with the Bills a little bit more than that, but we'll see. Um, I like the Bills' chances in this game. I also agree about Josh Allen making so many mistakes, the offense making mistakes. Um, he hasn't been doing that as much the last couple of weeks. The Bills' red zone, by the way, has also been a lot better. They've been scoring down there six of their last seven. I think that's a big key. And on the other side, the Jets have not been very good in the red zone lately. They're missing a lot of opportunities. So that's a key to this game. I think scoring points when you get in the red zone, and I think the Bills should win this game, but I want to give a lot of respect to the Jets, what they built there, what they're doing right now. They're trying to end the longest playoff drought, current playoff drought in the NFL at 11 years. Before we get to questions, well, actually, let's start it. I have a question for you, unless you want to say anything more on the Jets. This is related to the Jets, though. No, go ahead. Ask your question. Okay. Unless you were listening to WGR earlier this week, which I know you're a faithful listener, you might have heard this yeah. already because um, Joe and Jeremy were talking about it in the morning. Do you know who has the next longest playoff drought in the NFL after the New York Jets? 
Um, well, I'm gonna guess just because if it was a question, if it, I did not hear it, but if it was something that was being talked about by you guys on GR, my uh, guess no, is- it was just a question. It wasn't like because it was necessarily, I don't think, relevant to anything specific. Okay, I'm still I'm gonna just, guess it's just a trivia question. I'm still gonna guess the Dolphins. It is not. The Dolphins actually were in the playoffs in 2017. They do oh, that. they were. Yeah, they're they're tied. Yeah, was it was that Matt Moore maybe? Um, they are tied. Oh, you're with, right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, they are tied with um as the third longest playoff drought. The Jets' last playoff appearance was 2011, 11 years ago. There is one team whose last appearance was 2016. Actually, give me the conference. AFC. 2016. Okay, it's not. So these just... this team has not been in in 17, 18, 19, 20, or 21. And okay, so I'm going here. Okay, so it's it's nobody in the AFC East. Correct. It's nobody in the AFC North. Correct. It's nobody in ooh. AFC West. And they're not going to make it this year. They're not going to make it this year. Nobody in it's not the Jags, it's not the Colts, it's not the Titans. It's not the Texans. Okay, so it has to be the AFC West. And they're not going to make it this year already. And they're not going to. Denver? Yes. The Denver Broncos, if the Jets make it, will have the longest current playoff drought in the NFL. But the Jets have almost doubled them up. They're at 11 years right now. They're looking to end that. All right, what else do we got for questions? Well, there's a, <clears throat> there's a lot of them. It's <laughs> this is This was the question from the press room yesterday until – the Von Miller news happened. We were all sitting there. Do you remember what we were talking about for like 15 minutes and it got pretty I heated? I do. Okay. Okay. So the question I made is a from, joke on Twitter. People didn't realize it was a joke. Well, it went over their heads. Yeah. I guess pun intended. So <laughs> from Dan Fates, do you, should you talk to your barber, hairstylist, hairdresser, whatever, while you were getting a haircut? Okay. And I was very adamant with my question or with my response, but it seems like a lot of people, we had a room divided basically. So it's basically, should you be talking while you're getting your haircut? What do you think? Okay. So my joke was I never, I watch my phone (laughs) and I listen to music while I'm doing it. Well, that's because I'm my own barber folks. I shave my head. I've been doing it for 25 years. Essentially. I'll be 50. I've started at 26 years old, shave my head two, three times a week. And I was going to make the joke and say, I would talk to my barber, but he's a jerk. That's me. Okay. Now that said, my uncle Tony owned a barber shop for decades, which was located right where right now, um, Sheridan and, um, right across from Duff's on Sheridan. That's where his barber shop was for many years. And I would go in there as a kid and I would see how he would interact with people. And my son gets his haircut and I go to the barber and the place where he goes at the salon or whatever that we have friend, a friend that owns it. Look, I, yeah, I I think it's really, to me, the answer here is it's kind of up to the personality of your barber. Like if you think that's a person who's going to engage with you or wants to engage, I think you want to make them feel as comfortable as they want to make you feel comfortable. That's where I land. I'm totally cool with it. I think you should, but if you get a barber or have someone that's really not into that, I think it's okay not to. Here was my take on it. And this might sound ridiculous, but I'm okay with it. And then Andy Young from Spectrum made a very funny joke to it. And I said, I would rather have a plus conversation and a B plus haircut than an A plus haircut 
and a B plus conversation. And he was like, yeah, I can tell, which was funny. (laughs) So that was a good joke. But I do think that that's like a prerequisite of, okay, you're going to be a barber. You're going to be somebody who works in a salon. You probably should be comfortable just kind of, you know, talking to somebody for however long it is. Now I will say I very much understand the women in the room. were talking about how long some of their haircuts take. And it's like, okay, it's not 20 minutes. Like it is for a guy. Sometimes it's three hours because you're getting a color and highlights and uh, whatever the heck's going on up there. So in that setting, yeah, it would be impossible to talk to somebody for three hours straight. But I think for most guys, if it doesn't take that long yeah, like I enjoy the conversations that are had when you're sitting in the chair and you're having the haircut. I I was going to say, like, isn't this something, isn't it called the barbershop or something like that? There's like a show that like guys stand around it's, you know, and they talk or something like that. Yeah. Shout out to Dawn. She's done my hair for, I don't know, 10 years and she's a family friend and we talk nonstop. Basically I get in there and it's just a catch. Let me ask you this too. When you did, before you shaved, how often did you have to get your hair cut? I, when I was a little kid, uh, I, I was getting it every few weeks, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I'm in a different s- spot. I used to have like a really bushy hairdo. Like I literally yeah. had a, lots of curly hair and when I was growing up, no one wanted to touch it. And then I started getting into middle school and going to my, my uncle for my cut. When I got to college though, my buddy like shaved, we did the fade thing. We would do it ourselves yeah. in our dorm. So I'm not the right person to answer this. I will tell you this, though. What you just said about if you're going to get into that industry, you have to be able to talk. Matt, I feel the same thing about our industry. But there are people who aren't really the most like forthcoming personalities, if you will, which is fine. Right. Yeah. In our industry. How many people do we know we see in the media room or we see out that they're just not the most talkative people? And sometimes they go, oh, boy, that person's in the media and they have kind of a reserved personality. I think it's fine if that's who you are. It's, it, it doesn't mean you have to be like that, but I also find it kind of a bit different for the profession. Yeah. Well, and you're also, we're comparing it to ourselves who are two very extroverted people who are also Italian. So we're (laughs) always talking and raising our hands and making loud noises in, you know, being Italian basically. So, okay. So that's the hair question. And then there's a couple more about the bills. One of them is about Mike. There's a few of them about Micah Hyde. And I, kind of previously broached this at the beginning of the episode. Do you think there's a chance we see Micah Hyde again this year? I'm going to answer it this way. All right. Um, It is not a zero chance. It is not a zero chance. I don't know if it's a 1%. I don't know if it's a, I wouldn't say like it's 50% chance. It's not a zero chance. I agree. I'm going to say about that. I agree. Just, Based off of the vibe, some conver- some private conversations that have been had, and I'm not going to you know reveal mm-hmm. anything more than that. I think I think we're I'm both not- in the same spot. Like you 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 don't know what he's feeling or going through or doing. I know I see him all the time, and he's working out, and he looks great, but that doesn't mean anything necessarily to his private medical situation. But I would say, based on what I know, what I've heard, what I've talked to people about, it is not a zero chance. This is the best way that I can put it, and I like how you said it, too. I am not expecting it to happen. No, that's right. But I will not be shocked if it does happen. I like it. That's right. That That's where I am when it comes to that. All right, a couple other Take questions. what you will about that, Bills fans. Yeah, uh, here is from Sean. Does John Brown eventually get signed to the active roster? What do you think? Mm, 
No, I think he'll just keep getting elevated when they need him. But I guess if they don't sign Odell, they might have to. They need another guy. I don't. I mean, as we sit here, we don't know if Marquez Stevenson's going back to the practice squad either. That might be if they do that, they can kind of go back and forth. I don't know. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I'm going to say no at this point, but maybe. I agree. I think because you're an injury away. So if you have another injury to somebody, then you probably act, you put them on the active roster just because you have to at that point. But right now, especially with Jake Kumaro starting yeah. to, you know, trend in the right direction. So we'll see what happens. There. Hey, real quick. Right. Jameson Crowder. He, 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 we should tell the fans he was on the side working out the other day. Yeah. So it, it's, I feel like Jamison Crowder and Christian Benford more so Crowder because we've seen more of him. Same thing trending in the right direction. Yeah. I am not expecting him to be ready to go. But I think actually I'm much closer to thinking he'll play than I am to thinking Micah Hyde will play with Jamison Crowder. Just at some, just at some point in the next month. In the nature of a neck versus an ankle. That's true too. All right. Here's another question. This is from Bryce. It's when do they sit Dane Jackson? And I don't think I'll start with this one. I don't think they're ever going to sit Dane Jackson to the point where like, he's not active on a game day or anything like that. I think right now, even with the struggles Dane has had, they trust him as their cornerback too. I'm not saying they necessarily should. I think in a perfect world, if everybody was healthy right now, you would have Trey white play basically every snap. Now that he's gotten a couple games under his belt and he played about 60% of the snaps against the Patriots. And I think a lot of that was also due to the fact that the game was done at the end of the third quarter and they didn't need him. So I think you would have Trey white on one side, and then you would have some sort of rotation of Benford and of Dane Jackson and of Elam basically on the other side with Benford out. I think right now in a perfect world, you'd have some sort of rotation between Dane and Elam but it seems like they still trust Dane a little bit more than Elam. And then you have Rhodes come into this mix as well. So I don't think they're ever going to sit him. I don't think that even though he struggled, they have lost confidence in him. Maybe they'll have him more involved in a rotation than we thought he would be, but I don't think we're going to get to a point this year where Dane Jackson isn't getting snaps for this football team. Dane Jackson is the new Levi Wallace. That's who he is. I very much agree with you in the take of like kind of the perception of him and right. how a lot of people, you know, he came That's from, what I mean. I'm not comparing the two people as players. What I'm yeah. comparing is how fans view the player and what the team feels about the player. That's yeah, that's perfect. Cause the second corner is like the hardest position to be because a lot of times you were getting targeted because you're not the other person. In this case, mm-hmm. you're not Tredavious white. So even if it was somebody who was, substantially more talented, they would still be getting picked on and they would still be getting criticized because it's not Trey white. Okay. And let me just explain what Leslie Frazier said about the situation last week with Kyrie Elam. We don't know all the intimate details, why Kyrie Elam didn't dress, but what he said was it came down to special teams as much as it did defense. And he said the week that week prior, Dane Jackson was sick. So Xavier Rhodes took a lot of his reps as the starting corner, but Dane was basically healthy enough to play and they needed him on special teams and Kyer Elam doesn't really play special teams. So since, so since Xavier Rhodes took all those reps all week, they wanted him to play and they also needed Dane for special teams. So they dressed him. And since it, they also needed Dane for special teams, they also wanted to play corner. They, because he was sick, they also wanted to make sure they were good on special teams. So they are basically Cam Lewis, Cam Lewis became the player instead of Kyer Elam who was the extra player. 
because they wanted to make sure they were set on special teams and defense overall. And Kyrie Elam really doesn't play special teams. I hope I tried to explain it. Well, I don't know if it makes sense to people, but that's what he was trying to say. I think Matt, you explained it well, and it makes sense from kind of the thought process behind it, but I still don't necessarily buy it to me. It was more just like they didn't trust Kyrie Elam in that situation, because I think that even though special teams matters, I think you would still be making those decisions about what they can do on defense, not how they can contribute in other areas of the field. That's just my opinion on it. It felt like to me that Cam Lewis was the guy that really played for Kyrie Elam because they wanted to make sure they were good enough on special teams. If something were to happen, that Dane couldn't go the whole game. Exactly. Exactly. That's the best way I could put it. And then the last one, just so we'll wrap up here with a fun one. This is from uh, Beans Burner account. What's your favorite Italian dish? I mean, it's just, it's a really nice big bowl of pasta. It really is. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm just old school, man. You give me a really nice bowl of spaghetti, pasta, macaroni. But I will also tell you, do you, I don't know if your house, not every Italian household has had this. Do you eat, do you know what rapini is? Yeah, I don't, we don't eat it, but I know what it is. I love rapini. My mom. Okay makes rapini for me. Sometimes my wife has learned how to make it since we've been married and I love the garlic in there. It's rapini. It's broccoli leaves basically. And it's soaked in garlic and it's great. It's cooked up in a pan. I love that. And I'm a pasta guy. What about you? What kind of pasta? What's your favorite pasta? I think, I think spaghetti. I think spaghetti overall just, yeah. I mean, but I could, I could, any kind of pasta is good, but I think spaghetti would be my choice. If I go to a restaurant and I have here, all your pasta dishes, if I see spaghetti and red sauce and sausage and meatballs, like that's my go-to, I would say I'd love to put in chicken, seafood, all that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm a rigatoni guy when it comes to pasta. I love when the sauce gets stuck in between the rigatoni. Mm -hmm, And I also love, this is gross and weird. I love cold rigatoni. Like I love pasta when it's been in the fridge and you just yeah, take it out and you have pieces of it. I don't know nice. why. And this is a very Italian American dish, but chicken parm to me is just okay. the best. And I realize that that's not really something that's eaten in Italy. And a lot of people are like, that's not an Italian dish. That's not an Italian dish, but it's so good. It's so good. I think my last meal would be chicken parm. Like if you were on like, death row yeah. or something and you had yeah. one meal yeah. you say give me chicken parm i think so yeah wow i don't know what I, I think i'd choose some sort of spaghetti with like the the, the the linguine pescatori or something you know what i mean have all the seafood in there maybe some steak or whatever in there i don't know my two options would be chicken parm or pizza and wings yeah, pizza and wings. I mean, it's always the go-to, and pizza is, I guess, an Italian dish, right? So we can go with that as well. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt and I got to get out of here. Thanks a lot for listening, downloading, subscribing. You can do all of that iTunes, Spotify, wherever you pod. It's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you next week.